let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump into God's word. Gracious Father, I would just pray now uh, for Grace Bible Church. Lord, these are a people who, who love you. Father, we are a collection of people that are precious in your eyes. And we know that because the church is made up of those who have been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, your son. So, Father, where we are in you, there is nothing greater. Father, thank you for your love and your care for us. Father, for your hand that moves us, that does all things, and you work all things together for our good, because we are called in you. And so, Father, thank you for what you'll be doing. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is Lord of the church, and so we submit to him in his will, in your perfect will. And Father, we look forward to seeing it, and we rejoice with excitement that even now, somewhere in America, a man is probably preaching who will be our next pastor. Protect him, guide him. May he grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, teach him lessons that will fit perfectly with where we are and what we need to hear to be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, it's a great privilege to be your children. It's a great joy to know that you've saved us. And so, Father, as we open your word this morning, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide my words, Father, would move in each of our hearts so that we would grow closer to you and grow in grace and in peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Ephesians, if you want, I got a little bit of an introduction. This actually, this whole morning is an introduction to the book of Ephesians. And um, I kind of look at it this way. And you're going to have to somewhat get used to the youth will groan, my stories, my uh, illustrations that tend to make perfect sense in my mind, but don't always come across to you as they do. But as I'm typing, I'm like, yeah, this is great. This will work. And then, you know, and then it comes up like, oh, it didn't work as well as I thought. But I, I, I was thinking about something as I was uh, thinking about Ephesians and, and this book. And it's a little silly, but I think it might help you understand a little bit what we want to do today. How many of you like buffets? Okay, good. They're controversial, I guess, if you could use that. People love them or hate them. Uh, for some, it's the best restaurant invention of all time. All you can eat. And for others, they would say, well, just it tastes like chicken. And then it's an overpriced, of exor of, you know, overpriced exercise and eating a lot of food that just tends to be mediocre. Maybe lukewarm. Maybe, uh, you know, starchy. But now kids love the dessert, don't they? They're like, oh, hey, soft serve, set me up. Right, And so they're like, a buffet is great for a kid. Now, I don't know if any of you ever had an opportunity to, um, and we're not talking hometown buffet, not that there's anything wrong with that. If that's your place, that's great. But many of you, or maybe some of you, might have had an opportunity to go to a buffet or a brunch that's really on the high end. 
Uh, I have not been on a cruise, but I understand that like cruise cruise buffets really have lobster and crab and prime rib and and lots of lots of good food, um, salmon, caviar, even you know escargot if that's your kind of thing. Uh, and while in China, uh, when we adopted Katie May, we stayed at a very high end hotel in in the city of Guangzhou, China. And on our final evening, a few of us in our adoption group said, "Let's celebrate." And let's go to the buffet at the hotel. And this was high end. I mean, you know, this was where presidents at one point stayed when they would visit China. The U.S. consulate is in the city of Guangzhou, and so it was a nice, nice place. Uh, and for me, um, you know, we were—I was excited to just celebrate God's goodness of the adoption by feasting at at this high end buffet. And uh, it was excellent food. There was exotic food, new and different foods were there, uh, already just to be taken and eaten as much as I wanted. So do you think I just went up to that line and went to the first place and just started grabbing and scooping? No. I needed a game plan. I needed to map out what I wanted to do with this buffet. This was not to be done without strategic planning to maximize value and, and consumption. I wanted my full value. So I walked that buffet area really carefully. I went to the desserts first because I needed to know what do I need to save room for. <laughs> because there's nothing, nothing worse than missing out on the best because I ate too many shrimp, right? So I had to maximize my time at the feast that was laid out before me. Can I invite you to a feast? And the feast that we are going to is God's infinite grace. Unending, infinite grace. And the book of Ephesians is a letter which very clearly displays the unmeasurable riches of God's grace in Christ Jesus. And so today I want to treat today as a preview of this great feast. And my desire is for us to catch, catch a glimpse of God's greatness and his gracious gift of grace through Jesus Christ. And so in the upcoming weeks and months, we're going to feast and today is a preview of that feast from the book of Ephesians. I love, love, love the book of Ephesians. I think I can say without any exaggeration that the book of Ephesians has changed my life. I've read it and studied it many, many times. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit, he opened my eyes to a greater understanding of my salvation in Jesus Christ because of this book a greater understanding and application of God's grace, how it works and how it's worked and will be working in my life. And my prayer is that you will grasp that too. I'm going to say it again. I love Ephesians. And I consider it a really great privilege to teach the book. It is deep, but it is also so applicable and so allow the Holy Spirit to move within your hearts these next couple months. You know, Ephesians, it's a smaller book, six chapters. I don't know about your Bible, but in mine it takes, takes about four pages. It has 155 verses. It is small, but it is powerful. It is spiritual dynamite. You see the destruction that just a little bit of dynamite can do? Well, this isn't destruction. This is power that builds in such a small book. 
I was reading this week that one author even said this about Ephesians. He said that pound for pound, Ephesians may well be the most influential document in history. That's a bold statement. That's a big statement. And I thought about it. I added it into my sermon. Maybe he's right. When you think about the teaching of salvation that the church has, the doctrinal foundations, but then how do we live holy because of what Christ has done? This book is a powerhouse. Why would this even be said? Look at Ephesians 3, 7 through 10. And we're going to be flipping through a lot of different passages. But in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says this. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. And listen to this to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable. The New American Standard says unfathomable. Did I say that right? Unfathomable. Boundless riches in Christ. This means we can dive deep Deep into the great gospel salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We studied Ephesians because in it the mysteries of the gospel are revealed. And you can't even measure the riches of Christ. Also, Ephesians, secondly, shows us the importance of the church. Look at Ephesians 3.10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The church exists to know Christ and to make him known. Manifold wisdom. We don't use that word a whole lot, do we? It's multifaceted is a good word for it, or infinite wisdom. What a calling the church has. What a privilege the church has. Do you think that you arrived at church today just for some singing, just to listen to some words from the pastor, to say hello to some friends, to see how the week is going, to go to brunch after, or breakfast or lunch, whatever you want to call it? Do you think that's the sole purpose of the church? No, Grace Bible Church has an awesome job. It's a duty to proclaim Christ, to make Christ known. Again, to know him and make him known. I love the verse in Isaiah 26, 8. And it says this, Yes, Lord, as we walk in the way of your law, we wait for you. And listen to this, Your name, your fame or renown are the desires of our hearts. The job of the church is to know Christ and to make him known. In Ephesians, we'll look at the importance of a local body. We'll look at the importance of the church. Third, Ephesians provides much-needed encouragement. Allow the grace of God to encourage you. Allow the word of God to encourage you these next weeks and months. Are you feeling in despair? Are you tired? Distracted, worried, hurt? Do you feel beat up? Have you ever felt like spiritual roadkill? Ineffective, lying on the side of the road, begging for help in life? We are about to embark on a study in a book 
where we will see in the first three chapters an oasis of grace, an oasis of our life in Christ. And it will be overwhelming, and let's be overwhelmed with God's rich grace. Sometimes it may even feel like we're drinking from a fire hose. The fire hose of grace as we explore all we have in Jesus Christ. You know, it's called amazing grace for a reason. It's amazing. God saved me. He made me his child. He made me an heir. All this is in, from Ephesians. He gives me power to live righteously. He gifted me for service. He gifted us for all that we need. We have every resource in Christ. Christ dwells in us. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you and lives within me. We are now in Christ holy and blameless. All I just listed right there in that list just scratches the surface of what we will learn and see in the book of Ephesians. You know, also, Ephesians is so applicable. It is a highly applicable book. We will answer these questions. Why do we worship? What should we pray for? Is grace really amazing? Who are we in Christ? What is our identity? Why is the church so important? How can we be unified as a body? How should one who is in Christ live? How can we imitate God? What is God's plan for marriage? How should we parent? How should we work in our vocation? And how do we fight? This book, if you have questions on how to live a godly, righteous, Christ-pleasing life, Ephesians answers the questions. And not only that, though, it doesn't just say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Be imitators of God. Walk in a manner worthy of what you're calling. It says that. But it says, you have the power to do it because of all I've given you in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians is awesome. So are you ready? Am I ready? I am, by God's grace, not by myself. But I'm ready. And again, we have a simple outline that we can all remember. And if you want to jot this down, Ephesians is all about our position and our practice. Our position and our practice. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about our position in Christ. We will see the words in Christ throughout this book. It is our standing. And I don't want to give away too much. Come back and we'll see what it means to be in Christ. So our position is chapters 1, 2, and 3. 36 times Paul says, in Christ. In six chapters. Do you think he means it? Think it's important? By grace, through faith, our position is in Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 will be about how we now live knowing that we're in Christ. Our practice. So it's about position and practice. We're going to move into a time of communion in just a few moments, but in order to do that, I wanted to just start 
and just share my heart with you and look at verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians chapter 1. As we get started, this really still is part of the introduction, but I was struck by a couple things as I studied this passage. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. This greeting is not a simple hello, is it? Hey, how are you doing? Right? You ever get those greetings, just the simple head nod? The real heartfelt. Sometimes you like it. Like Sometimes it's like, you know, and you know, like, hey, I'm loved. But other times it's like, yeah, I recognize you, I see you, but please don't come over and talk to me, right? We've all experienced that. It's like, I'm busy. where's my phone, right? I don't want to talk. People do that to us, don't they? That's not Paul's greeting here. Paul's greeting is way more than just simple hello. It's so much more. Think for a moment what it really, truly means to pronounce to someone, grace to you. What a way to greet somebody. By the way, it's also the way Paul closed the letter. In Ephesians 6, 23 and 24, he says this, Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Grace to you. Do you know Paul starts all, these, all of his letters with the same proclamation? Grace and peace to you. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter chapter Chapter 1, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So what Peter is saying, I believe Paul is saying the same thing. May grace and peace be increasing. May they be multiplying in your lives. More grace, more peace. Like Peter, Paul may not use the term be multiplied, but as he says, when he says to you, it means Grace and God is on the move. Grace is coming. Peace is coming. He doesn't say, I hope it comes. Or he doesn't even say, hey, you already have grace. Which we do, right? We understand that. But he's saying grace to you, peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, many of us understand the concept of grace, and I hope you do, of grace and peace on an intellectual and even spiritual level. Yet as Paul says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer is this, that for us to have God's grace and God's peace increase in our church and in our own lives. Grace and peace increasing at Grace Bible Church. Grace and peace increasing in each of you. Why? We need it. Desperately. Especially in a time of transition. We need grace and we need peace. And Paul says to the church, grace is coming. Peace is coming. And so it's coming to us also. 
grace to you and peace. God's grace brings God's peace. Well, how do we know that? Look at Ephesians 2. We know Ephesians 2, verse 8. By grace you have been saved through faith, right? Let's read Ephesians 2 as it moves on, verses 13 through 17. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the divining wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now he's speaking about the church being built together at that point. But do you see how grace comes and then peace comes? We know this, right? Think of your life before Jesus Christ. Would you even come close to defining it as peaceful? Scripture says we were at war with God. We were dead in our sins. We were at enmity with him. But yet through Christ, now we're reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ by grace and we have peace with God. I love the picture that when Christ died, the veil was ripped in two. Who could go into the presence of God? Oh, once a year, a high priest to do the sacrifice. And what did they do? Tie a rope around him in case he messes up. We got to be able to get the body. Well, now what? We boldly go before the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. We have peace. See, grace brings peace. You see, our status in Christ never changes. In Christ, by grace, we have peace with God. In Christ, we stand and we have peace. But what about our enjoyment of grace and peace? You ever thought about that? That changes moment by moment, doesn't it? It really does. If you think about it, if you're going to be honest, how many of you have ever had your peace upset like that in a nanosecond? Any of you ever have the phone ring at like 2.33 in the morning and maybe your kids aren't home yet? How peaceful are you? I mean, there's nothing, there's, I always say this to Karen when the phone rings late at night. There is never good news on the other end at three in the morning. And our peace and our sleep is upset. Some of us, all it takes is the boss to walk in and the peace is upset. For some of us, step on a, rock and your peace is upset barefoot like ow that hurts and then you're like any of you get in a bad mood when something like that that happens or am i the only one my circumstances change my mood i I am moody all right i will admit it my kids say man dad you're moody i'm sorry i think i'm like even steven but you know if you get told enough you start to believe it Our peace gets upset. Our enjoyment of God's grace can change very quickly. An announcement can come at church saying big change is coming. And our peace 
is challenged. But Paul here says, grace to you and peace to you. Grace and peace is coming, and it comes from Jesus Christ, from God the Father in Jesus Christ. Do you have trials, temptations, guilt, sickness, an uncertain future? We are always in need of an increase of grace and peace, and we find this grace and peace in Christ, and that's what we'll be studying these next weeks, who we are in Christ. And so I pray this for you. I pray this for our church. Grace to you. Peace to you. May it increase. May your joy, may our joy as a church increase as we rest in God's grace and as we soak in God's peace. It's a promise. It's coming. May it be multiplied to us. I saw this quote, and it's so true. John Piper said this when speaking about grace and peace. He said, every day we need new measures of grace and peace for new moments. And we're in a new moment here at Grace Bible Church. Rest in grace. Rest in God's peace. I beg you. It's a step of faith to do so, isn't it? But let's keep our eyes on the scriptures and our eyes on the cross. So we are in a new moment. Can I say to you, grace to you. Peace to you. You know, one of the ways that we are so blessed by God is he gives us his word, but he also gives us reminders. He gives us visual pictures of his grace and his peace in our lives, of what he's done for us. Baptism, we talked about that earlier in announcements. We get to see, I like it this way, dead man down, new man up, washed clean. Communion, the body of Christ. When you see your children come to salvation, isn't that a picture of God's grace, parents? When you see your children being made new who were born in sin, being made alive in Christ, we have these pictures. And communion is one of those. It's a wonderful gift he's given to the church. Because communion is a, gr a gift of grace and peace. In communion, we remember. We remember the cross. We remember our Savior. We remember our sins are paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we get to hold a picture of it in our hands and partake of it. What a gift. Communion is a picture of the gospel. Christ's body was broken for me. He was scourged for my iniquities, for my sins. His blood was shed to pay my penalty. So communion cries out to us, grace to you. Communion cries out to us, peace to you. Because of what Jesus has done. God is saying, remember that I love you. And I gave you my most precious gift I could give you, Jesus Christ. And so now as we go into a time of communion, remember and take it in. God's grace and God's peace.